Hello. Welcome to the Myths and Legends of Europe. This episode is brought to you by the top podcast app, the Podbean Podcast app. You can get instant updates of my new episodes on the app, and it's free and has great features to let you easily discover, listen to, and even publish a podcast. Whether you use an iPhone or an Android device, this app is the one for your podcast needs. Get the Podbean Podcast app now on Google Play or the Apple App Store. Enjoy more from the podcasts you love. And so, welcome to the Myths of the Norse, Chapter 11, Where There's a Trickster, There's Trouble. Odin's wife, Frigg, was chatting with her servant, Fulla, when she noticed she had a visitor. I'd like to borrow your falcon skin, said Loki. Clearly the trickster was bored with normal life in Asgard and fancied a bit of adventure. Frigg thought about the request for a moment and decided there was likely to be less trouble for her if she gave in than if she resisted. She sent Fuller to fetch the coat of feathers, and it was handed over to a grinning Loki. He thanked Frigg effusively, and then was gone. She wondered whether she'd done the right thing. Loki headed to Jortenheim. He didn't have a particular destination in mind. He simply flew around for a bit until he saw something interesting. What he found was a great hall, which he didn't think he'd been to before, Not one to let curiosity go unresolved, the Sky Traveller peeked through one of the windows. He saw a giant and his two daughters engaged in an activity particularly favoured by giants. Feasting. Unfortunately for Loki, the giant looked up at exactly the wrong moment and saw the feathered creature peering in at him. Get me that bird, he commanded. Loki grinned. Here was a chance for a bit of fun. He waited for the giant's henchman to climb the wall up to where he was perched. Just as a hand reached out to grab him, he flew off and perched on a ledge a little higher up, just out of reach. He laughed inwardly at his pursuer's perplexed and irritated face. The henchman climbed a little higher, and Loki did the same thing again. This, he thought, was highly amusing. He was having a good day. He did this a few more times, each time finding the increasing frustration of the henchman even more amusing. Pretty soon he was perched on the roof. The henchman climbed up, and was reaching out his hand to grab Loki when the Sky Traveller, with a laugh of triumph, flapped his wings intending to fly off and find more mischief elsewhere. He found, though, that all was not well. The wings worked fine, but his feet were fixed to the roof. He was stuck fast. A second or two later, he was in the hands of a very annoyed giant who took the bird to his master, as he'd been ordered. The giant lord of the hall looked into the eyes of his captured bird. In doing so, he realised it wasn't a bird at all. He thought for a moment and then spoke. I am Geirod and this is my hall. These are my daughters, Gjelp and Grape. Who are you and what are you doing here? Loki said nothing. Geirod pondered whether to torture the bird into answering, but decided he couldn't be bothered. He ordered that Loki be locked into a chest. There the man-bird stayed for three months. He was not fed. When he was released, he was asked the same question. Loki rubbed his eyes, starving and unused to the light. He said nothing. Clearly you've not been in there long enough, said Geirod. Loki, replied Loki. Well, the famous Loki, smirked Geirod. Shall I kill you now? No, I think not. Here is what you must do if you want to escape with your life. You must bring Thor to my court without his belt of strength and without Mjolnir, his mighty hammer. Loki realised he had no choice and agreed to the bargain wondering how he was going to get Thor to travel to the court of the giant. In the end, he told Thor that Geirod wanted to meet him. 
He added a bit of flavour to this, saying that while Geirod was an ugly brute, his two daughters were quite attractive, and that Thor would enjoy their company. Thor liked Loki, despite knowing he was a bit of a snake, and decided he'd go, even though he wasn't allowed to take Mjolnir or his belt. On the way to Geirod's court, Loki and Thor stopped off for the night at the home of a giantess called Grid. When Loki was out of earshot, she told Thor the truth about Geirod. He is as cunning as a fox, and he has no love for the Aesir. I suspect a trick. If he wants you to go there without Mjolnir, then he must mean you harm. You will be in great danger if you enter his hall, and I suspect he doesn't intend you to leave it still breathing. I will lend you my own belt of power and my iron gloves. You may also take Gridavol, my staff. Thor thanked her and settled down to sleep. In the morning, Thor and Loki travelled on. They came to the great river Vidur. Thor put on the belt of power and told Loki to hang on to it. He waded out into the river until the waters reached his massive shoulders. He then boomed out a poem, warning the waters not to rise further. Rise not, waters, as I want to wade you, crossing to the giant's courts. Beware, if you grow, divine might will grow in me, as high as heaven. The waters did not take Thor or Loki and sweep them away. Feeling safer, Thor looked up and saw Gjalp, one of Geirod's daughters. She was straddling the river and causing it to rise. The Thunderer picked up a rock from the riverbed and threw it at the giantess. His aim, as always, was true, and Gjalp was knocked flying. She yelped in pain and ran off back to her father's hall. Momentarily distracted, Thor lost his footing in the torrent. He was swept away, Loki still clinging to him. As he was helplessly carried away by the water, he noticed a rowan tree a little further downstream. He managed to grab hold of it as they passed, and using it regained his feet. He made his way to the shallows and climbed out of the river on the far bank. The rowan tree had saved the most powerful of the Aesir, and from that day the rowan became known as Thor's salvation. There were no other obstacles, and Thor and Loki soon reached Geirod's court. They were directed to a goat shed where they were told they could lodge for the night. It must be said that the shed was not the most luxurious of guest accommodation. It was very dirty and smelly, and had only one piece of furniture, a rotten-looking chair. Thor, though, was weary after his battles with the river, and sat down gratefully. He fell asleep almost immediately. He dreamed of past glories as he dozed, and was vaguely aware of a floating feeling. This caused him to open his eyes, and he realised the feeling was not just a feeling. The chair was rising up, and was halfway to the roof. Thor was a few seconds from being painfully smashed into the rafters. The Thunderer, thinking fast, grabbed hold of Gridavol and jammed it against the roof. Then he pushed hard and reversed the direction of travel of the chair. There was a loud yelp, or rather, there were two simultaneous loud yelps, as Gjelp and Greip, Geirod's two daughters, were crushed under the weight of a rotten chair and a very heavy Thor. Both of their backs were broken. Geirod, not aware of the fate of his daughters, called for Thor to come into his hall for contests. Thor needed no second invitation. He put on Grid's iron gloves and the belt of power, gripped hold of the staff, and marched in. Large fires were burning in the hall, making the turf walls glow. Geirod was at the far end of the room waiting for his opponent. As soon as the door was closed behind Thor, Geirod, using some tongs, picked up a glowing piece of iron from one of the fires. He threw it at the Thunderer. 
Thor raised his gauntlet-covered hand and caught the red-hot metal. He threw it back at Geirod, who leapt behind a pillar to save himself. The pillar, of course, was made of wood, and so the glowing metal pierced it, went right through it, and then went right through Geirod as well. The giant fell to the floor, dead. The glowing projectile carried on its path, such was the venom of Thor's throw, and went straight through the wall, landing on the ground outside the hall. Thor and Loki made their way back to Asgard. Loki said nothing, and simply hoped that Thor wouldn't be too angry that he'd led the Mighty One into a trap to save his own skin. The next time Loki got another Aesir into trouble though, it was not his fault. Loki, Odin and Honir were out exploring the worlds. Early one morning they came to a river. They walked upstream admiring the beauty of the landscape until they arrived at a waterfall. Beside the waterfall lay an otter which had caught a huge salmon and was eating it and then dozing in equal measure. Loki bent down and picked up a stone which he threw from some distance at the otter. It struck the creature on the head and killed it outright. Ha! An otter and a salmon for us, exclaimed Loki. Odin and Honir were equally pleased. The Allfather picked up the otter and Honir the salmon. All three looked forward to a good meal that evening as they strolled along. Before long, they arrived at a farmhouse. They knocked on the door, asking if they could have lodging for the night. Odin told the farmer, who was called Hreidmar, that they had brought enough food for everyone. The farmer let them in, but seemed to freeze when he saw the dead otter. He strode away from his guests without another word. When Hreidmar returned, there were two other younger men with him. They were his sons, Fafnir and Regin. These are the men who have killed your brother, said the farmer to his boys. He then turned to the shocked Aesir. Odin was relieved of Gungnir, his spear, and Loki of his sky shoes. The three gods were thrown to the ground and bound tightly. That otter was my son, said Hreidmar. He had the form of an otter by day and a man by night. He loved nothing more than fishing, catching enough salmon for all of us. You have killed him and you will pay with your lives. Hold on a minute, said Odin. We had no idea the otter was your son. Surely you are honour bound to accept a payment for an honest mistake. We will pay you as much as you demand. Hredmar realised his prisoner was right. He ordered that the otter be flayed and the skin brought to him. The skin made the crude shape of a bag. Hredmar demanded the killers of his son fill the otter skin bag with red gold. Then the skin must be covered also in red gold. If Odin and his friends thought there was anything vaguely wrong with a man asking for the skin of his dead otter-shaped son to be filled with gold, they didn't show it. Odin readily agreed to the deal and was about to start considering how he would lay his hands on enough red gold when he heard a whisper in his ear. Loki was trying to talk to him. Odin didn't hear anything the Sky Traveller said because an idea immediately came to him. He ordered Loki to go and get the gold, reasoning that if anyone could work out how to do it, then the crafty trickster could. As it happened, this was exactly what Loki was about to suggest. Loki knew what to do. First he visited Aya and Ran in their hall on the bed of the sea. He borrowed from Ran her fishing net. Then he went to Svartalfheim, the land of the Dark Elves. He knew exactly where to go. He made his way to a cascading waterfall called Andvara Falls and then stretched out the net. Moments later he had caught a large pike. As the pike was dragged to land it began to change shape. By the time it was laid out on the bank it was no longer a pike but a dwarf called Antvari. Let me go, snarled the dwarf. I think not, 
replied Loki, until you pay me a ransom. What do you want? All of your gold, every last ounce, now. And Vari looked shocked, but realised he had no choice. Loki picked him up, wrapped him in the net and carried him to his cavern. The whole place gleamed with red gold. It was everywhere. Some of it had been formed into precious objects, but most lay in small bars. Loki took it all. It filled two large sacks. Is that all? he asked. You have everything. There is no more gold here. What about the ring I saw you hide? asked Loki. The dwarf's face took on a look of pure shock. Clearly this gold thief had eyes in the back of his head. The dwarf had indeed slipped a ring from his fingers and hidden it in his tunic. He begged Loki not to take his most prized possession. Put it in the sack, replied Loki. Please let me keep it, begged Anvari one last time. Just this. If I have it I can make more gold and I can make you even richer. I have no need of any more, came the reply. And with that Loki snatched the ring from Andvari's finger. The dwarf uttered a curse. That ring will be the death of whoever owns it. Anyone who owns it will be destroyed by it. Fine by me, said Loki as he left Andvari's cabin. I will pass your words on to those who seek to possess these treasures. When Loki arrived at Hredmar's farm, he handed all the gold over to Odin. Odin, in turn, handed every ounce of it over to the farmer, except the beautiful ring, the last item Loki had handed to him. The farmer stuffed the otter skin with the precious metal until it was impossible to get any more in. Then he commanded the Aesir to cover the outside of the skin, as he had previously demanded. Odin, Honir and Loki did just that, until not a millimetre of the hide was showing. The whole of it shone. Nothing could be seen except wonderful red gold. Loki asked Kredmar to come and inspect his newly golden dead son to make sure the ransom had been paid in full. The farmer strode over and inspected it very, very closely. He seemed satisfied until he noticed something. He stood up, very indignant. There's a whisker sticking out. It must be covered with gold and hidden or you have broken your oath. Loki smiled and nodded at Odin. The Allfather took out the beautiful ring and placed it on the otter's face covering the whisker. At last, no more of the skin, whiskers or anything else could be seen. Otter's ransom had been paid. Hreidmar handed the spear back to Odin and returned the sky shoes to Loki. When they were fully ready to go and in no more danger, Loki turned back to face his former captor and his captor's two sons. Now, listen here and listen very carefully. That ring was made by the dwarf Anfari. It was his most prized possession, and without it he can make no more gold. He begged me not to take it, and when I refused and grabbed it from him, he uttered this curse. That ring will be the death of whoever owns it. Anyone who owns it will be destroyed by it. Enjoy your son's ransom, Hreidmar. Loki turned away from the three men and joined Odin and Honir. Together, they ambled back to Asgard. Next time, we'll see what happens when the Curse of the Red Gold kicks in. Before I go, I'd like to remind you that this episode was brought to you by the Podbean podcast app. It's a free app, and it has great features to let you discover, listen to, and even publish a podcast. Get the app from the Google Play or Apple App Stores. Enjoy more from the podcasts that you love. So, have a great couple of weeks, 
and I'll speak to you next time.